All right, you ready to bring us back in? You got your drink, feel good. Let's do it. Complain about some characters. All right, let's do it. Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week on August 23rd, we have a special surprise for you guys. Mo and I read a book called Of Needles and Haystacks by Anne Elizabeth Fryer. And not only will we be discussing the book, but we will also be interviewing the author. We're very excited to share this episode with you guys, and we hope you'll take some time to read the book before the episode drops. Then, on August 30th, we will be talking about our top 10 favorite fictional men. And here's a shameless plug for our Patreon. We've got bookmarks, we've got stickers, we've got a miniseries, and a ton more. If you want to find out all about the cool perks, head on over to our Patreon and sign up. We hope you consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you. Speaking of thank yous, we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patrons, Ronnie and the Pirate Queen. May the sun be as bright as your smiles. Now, on with the show. All right. Welcome back to the Book Life Podcast with your hosts, myself, Mo, and my best friend, Abby. Tonight, we are going through, once again, Harry Potter rereads, and tonight we're going to talk about book six, Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Print. Abby, I've got some interesting facts. Would you like me to tell you them? I would love to hear them. So, you know how the teachers at Hogwarts are called professors? Uh Uh-huh. Did you know that there is no higher university for wizards that the... So, so they don't have, like, extra PhD magical degrees. You can just be a professor if you wanted to be without a next level of education. That is a genuinely terrifying notion. Mm-hmm. Like, I could graduate high school and then go teach high school. Essentially, correct. That's, that's a horrifying notion. Well, let's think <laughs> how qualified the teachers at Hogwarts actually are to teach. Well, and then you have to wonder, how does Dumbledore have such a hard time filling the Defense Against the Dark Arts position every year when literally the only requirement is you got through school? Yep. Um, (laughs) There is definitely some, I feel like the people who get hired are kind of experts in their area, um, especially as we talk more about Snape throughout these books. But like, let's be real. Oh, I mean, let's, let's look at you know, McGonagall as well, because she is one of the few wizards that can transform into an animal. Like, what is there, 13 anim- animages registered or something that we, is that right? I have no idea. I know like, it's a small a very, number. Yeah, very small number. And that's transfiguration magic, so that's why she gets in. I mean, Hagrid ends up teaching. We know Hagrid didn't even graduate. But he's an expert in magical animals. Yeah, I feel like the standards are too low to have such a problem filling the positions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, I just want to share that with you. I thought it was quite interesting. And terrifying. Thank you for that. And then also, this book was released in July 2005. I was a junior that year. And it is 607 pages long, which is actually less than The Order of the Phoenix, which is 766 pages. Wow. But the last, I know, right? I didn't realize, because the last three books are super beefy. And I didn't realize that this one was actually shorter than Order of the Phoenix. Hmm. Interesting. 
It is. All right, Abby. Can you lead us into a summary of this book? Just in case, listeners, you guys have not read Harry Potter book six, which if you haven't, interesting. But here's a summary. 16-year-old Harry Potter has seen the Dark Lord return, lost his godfather, and now faces a war while still having to go back to school. But life continues one way or another, even in more times. New classes, a new teacher, and teenage drama ensue, even as Dumbledore goes on mysterious trips and begins teaching Harry things no one else is learning. But will Dumbledore's teachings be enough to stop Voldemort, or will they be too late? Dun, dun, dun. Mm-hmm. So, Abby, I thought it was very interesting how we actually did not list out characters. My Lanta, if you guys don't know the characters by now, I'm worried. I mean, let's be real. For one, we have Harry, <laughs> who is a 16-year-old wizard. We have Ron, who is also a 16-year-old wizard, who is his best friend. We have Hermione, who is, guess what, is a 16-year-old wizard and Harry's best friend. We have Professor Dumbledore that we've met in the other books. We have Professor Snape, Hagrid. I, we have Neville. We have Luna Lovegood. We have Draco Malfoy. We have Ginny Weasley. We have Professor McGonagall. I mean, it's basically a giant returning cast, except the one new professor who is Professor Slughorn. Literally, that's probably the only new character that we can, that, that's even relevant to mention. Yep. I think that's why we didn't actually list out characters. We were just like, what's even the point? <laughs> so if you really want to list the characters, listen to our past five episodes. I, one thing I would like to put out, I do enjoy that Tonks and Lupin make a reappearance in here. We, of course, get to see Mr. and Mrs. Weasley. We get to see Bill. We get to see Floor once again. I, I do enjoy how we do get to see more characters and get to see their character development, too, instead of just being, like, thrown new characters left and right, which I felt like the other books were kind of like that. Yes. I definitely appreciate the recurring characters who weren't necessarily in all the past books. But it's nice to see them again. All right, guys. So, as always, <laughs> guess we're going to do now. We're going to, well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to spoil the book. Which, if you haven't read Harry Potter book six, don't, don't listen to the second half. Yeah, that's pretty standard. <laughs> All right. See you guys in a minute. Talk to you in a minute, guys. This is the Novel Universe with your hostesses, Dawn and Ashley. We rate and review the newest and most buzzworthy books. We are true book club ladies that don't always agree, but we do enjoy a good book discussion. You can find the Novel Universe on Apple, Spotify, and Google, where we post new episodes twice a month. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Ashley, the fantasy architect. So grab your favorite beverage and join our universe. Welcome back, guys. And remember, if you have not read Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, we're going to spoil the entire thing. So please, if for some reason you have not listened, you have not read <laughs> Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. Or even stop. seen the movie. You need to stop. Yes. Even if you've seen the movie, it's fine. You can stay. Anybody who hasn't seen the movie or read the book, you need to get out. Love you. Bye. All right. Start with characters. Which ones were your favorites? For one, I thought Jenny Weasley was phenomenal in this book. Um, you really get to see her shine because she's a year younger and she's starting to really integrate herself into Harry's friend group. She's 
sure if he's best friends with Luna, but I know they're good friends. She's hanging out with Luna, hanging out with Neville. And you, you get to see her more and more because Harry starts to get interested in her. And honestly, unlike the Cho romance that Harry had, I don't find, I don't know. People are like, oh, this is so forced because it's Ron's best friend. I just, I didn't feel like it was a forced romance. I felt like it was pretty organic. I don't know. I really like Jenny. I have a funny scene too about Jenny later on. I want to talk about. Okay. I'm not a Draco fangirl, but I really like Draco Malfoy in this book. I love his plot. Definitely a subplot. And I mean, he's put between a rock and a hard place because he basically joined the Death Eaters. He has to kill Dumbledore and figure out how to do it. He has a deadline to do it. And he has comes up with a really good plan to repair a vanishing cabinet in the room of requirement, which is connected to the other one in Nocturne Alley. And it's like, so that the Death Eaters can get into Hogwarts and infiltrate it and, you know, kill Harry, kill Dumbledore and get rid of some adversaries. Like, that's a lot to deal with for a 16-year-old, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. He's definitely a little stressed, but I thought he executed quite well. Yeah. I'm not a Draco fangirl either, but I agree with you. Um, I'll talk about him later in favorite scenes or something. Because, yeah. I also agree about Ginny. She's one of the characters that I listed as one of my favorites. This is just, like, the book she shines in. Like, she's very much the comeback queen. She's got a lot of sass. I'm okay with her romance with Harry. Like, I have no objections to it. It's whatever. <laughs> but she is a character really shines in this book. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate oh, yeah. getting to see that. The other character that I really like in this book is Floor. And I know she seems really stuck up. But the more times that I've read this book, like first time I read this book obviously I sided with Ginny and Hermione and Mrs. Weasley like oh she's terrible she's so stuck up she's so snotty but the more I've read this book the more I realize Floor is this gorgeous girl who is constantly either being ragged on like Mrs. Weasley and Ginny and Hermione are doing or being sucked up to by people who are pandering to her so you have to consider how that would eventually make her come across as she grew up because she clearly hasn't let it go to her head. She knows she's gorgeous, but she's also very down to earth. And it's the people who give her, her cha- who give her a chance that see that, that she knows aren't just pandering to her. And so it's very much one of those, she feels very misunderstood. She's never really given a chance by a lot of the other females in these books. And so I just, I appreciate her loyalty to Bill. I appreciate her inner strength to have dealt with this all her life. And like the fact that it didn't actually turn her into a snob. She doesn't normally take advantage of people who are pandering to her. That's just like not who she is. She's actually a very nice person. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, a little snobby, but not snobby she's not nearly as snobby as everybody else tries to make her out to be i agree with that so i stand floor well i like that i feel like like these characters i like how we named all side characters and i'm the main characters in this one you know why 
I am so sick of the main character. I'm like, you know why? Because our least favorite character list, Abby. Hmm. It's two of the main characters. I mean, even, like normally I list Hermione as one of my favorite characters in the books. And then this one, girl's got a lot going on and I have some issues. Okay. There's so much teenage drama in this particular book. Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest problem. Right. Particularly as we lead into least favorite characters, I can't put Hermione on my favorite list because Ron and Hermione go through a fallout. And dear God, are they just so teenagery? Teenagers. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I forgive Hermione, but Ron, listen. Those hormones need to chill out. It is ridiculous. I'm always going to be on Hermione's side, but they, they're they bickering. Like, when I remember getting, like, to those points, and I'm like, need to, like, fast forward, you know? Mm-hmm. It is so, and, like, literally, I can't think of any redeeming qualities of Ron in this book. I know. And I will just state for the record, I am not a fan of Ron and Hermione getting together. I am not, and I never will be. I know some people absolutely love that they got together. I know some people absolutely hate that they got together. Hermione could have done so much better. For me, like, people in relationships need to have commonalities. There needs to be a peacefulness between them. Because how the hell are you going to go through life constantly fighting with your partner? Mm -hmm. Which is why I'm okay with Jenny and Harry. I used to be a Harry Hermione fan. I'm okay with Jenny and her with Harry now. I would have loved to see Hermione with Neville. Oh, see, when I first read these books, I was pissed that Harry and Hermione didn't get together. Reading through them again, I'm like, I'm okay with Harry and Jenny. That's fine. I really ship Neville and Luna, honestly. Oh, okay. So I do like, mm, okay. So I like that one too. But then who, who would Hermione get with if not? Ron or Neville, not Draco. Hermione is a strong, independent woman who don't need no man. Well, I mean, she doesn't need a man, but she might want a romance. I don't know. I always, I would have felt better if she had found somebody after she had gone to work for the ministry. You know, like somebody who wasn't necessarily in her year that she already knew, like maybe a year or two older, maybe a year or two younger. I don't know. But like, not Ron. Not Ron. Not Percy. I don't see I don't see Neville and Hermione really working well. Like friends, perfectly fine. But like I can't see Hermione putting up with Neville. Okay. And I can't see Neville not having a nervous breakdown around Hermione for that long. Okay. You know? Yeah. So it's just like I wish she had found somebody else. Like, okay, so another pairing I would have been okay with. I would have been okay with Hermione and one of the twins. Hands down, I would have loved that ship. I would have gotten on board with that. I do like the twins. They are also, I think they're too goofy and not serious enough for her. I don't know. They get more serious when they get their shop and they kind of like buckle down and get it going. See, and that's the thing for me. Like I can totally picture a couple years after they'd all graduated Hogwarts, Hermione and like George getting together because yeah, the twins had started sobering up and getting more serious about like their business and everything Mm -hmm. and I feel like in a couple years that would have been really attractive to Hermione because it's not like they're stupid they are definitely not stupid so I I don't know I feel like the intelligence levels are also more even 
in a ship like that. I'm okay with that. I just <sighs> so my other least favorite character, Abby, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is Dumbledore. Yep. I am so I forgot. So when I read this in 2005, it was it it all made sense to me. Of course, Dumbledore is not going to tell Harry all the information he needs because. It's a journey, and Harry has to do some work himself and be a detective and figure it out. But what? The actual what? Mm-hmm. Like, Dumbledore needed to impart so much information to Harry. Like, why does he trust Snape? And oh, there's just so much crap. Like, he just keeps... Bo- and he's, he just tosses, like, little tidbits to Harry, you know? Oh, I know. It's like he's trying to get some sort of animal to follow him home. So he's, like, throwing breadcrumbs down every couple of feet. Right, it's and then like, it's awful. Mm. I he just can't for a segregate father figure to Harry. God, like Dumbledore is just so much disappointment in him because it's a sixteen-year-old boy who looks up to this man who idolizes him and who completely trusts him. You know, and towards the end, we see that trust has been broken, and it's just like. Listeners, I'm just making hand gestures at this point because it's so frustrating that I can't even articulate mm-hmm. as an adult the the idiocy of this entire thing. Like, you need to keep these kids safe. That's your job. Mm-hmm. Like, what the crap? You're the adult. Yeah. I, listeners, I'm going to read exactly what I wrote in my notes about Dumbledore for you. You ready? <clears throat> Boo, you stupid old man. I mean, okay, so, like, you say old. I wonder, wonder because of Dumbledore's age that he can't, like, not to say he's senile, but he's making really bad judgment calls. He's not making bad judgment calls because he's old. He's making bad judgment calls because... (sighs) Okay. Dumbledore is not a good character. He is not a good person. When we learn his backstory eventually, not in this book, I am wholly convinced he is not actually a good person. I feel like he was projecting. He was using his own insecurities and his own shame at his lack of doing anything better to avoid telling Harry all the truths that he needed to know. Because why the hell else would you be tossing this kid breadcrumbs when you know you are probably going to die soon like it makes me so mad that he gives harry so little information this is a 16 year old boy not a 10 year old boy okay when he first came to hogwarts yeah don't lay all that on him he just discovered the magical world it's fine 12 years old eh, you can still wait 13, I would have been really considering it like, "Mm, maybe I should really start telling him some of this stuff. By 14, I definitely would have started telling him stuff. So that by like 15, he was like halfway in the know. And at 15, I probably would have started with the breadcrumbs. And then 16, I've been like, all right, Harry, here's the deal. (laughs) Because he's, he's going to be a wizard adult the next year. He's not a child anymore. He knows that he's gonna have to fight Voldemort he knows just like 
it makes me so angry as an adult that the 16 year old is not being treated like a 16 year old. He's being treated like a baby. So if you were Dumbledore, what would you do differently? So if I hadn't told Harry anything up to this point, rather than doing all these random, here, look at these memory quest things, I would have been sitting him down, starting from the beginning, probably still showing him those memories, but I also would have been filling in more details, like Snape's story, like all the stuff that I suspected was going to have to happen, like where I was actually going when I disappeared from Hogwarts for long periods of time, what had actually happened to my hand, the fact, and I probably would have even told Harry eventually, like towards the end, that he was also a Horcrux. Like, why would you not do that? I am so, I'm so confused why Harry had to figure this out for himself. There's no reason he couldn't have told him absolutely everything and then been like, this is the path that you probably need to follow. And let's be honest, I'm not a fan of book seven, so I don't personally think it was worth it to make Harry go in this quest. So much is wrong with this. Like for, and I think I brought this up. I don't know if I brought this up on our collaboration podcast with the Rambling Ravenpuffs or one of our episodes, but I feel like the adults in the wizarding world are just naive or something. I don't know. Like they, the way they treat these kids, either they give them too much leeway or not enough information. Like it's one or the other, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's like children need boundaries to learn to learn to be normal and don't like Dumbledore gives no boundaries to Harry he is a terrible father figure you know Mm, oh for sure (sighs) this is like my kid hitting 16 and me refusing to let them drive a car like there's zero reason for that unless they have proved incredibly untrustworthy Hmm. it's just like This is stuff that they need to know. This is stuff that Harry needs to know. Why would you not tell him? Why would you leave it all in these riddles and just like hope for a miracle that they figure it out in time? That's the dumbest plan ever. I don't know. I don't understand the logic. (sighs) Anyway, since we went on a rant, let's talk about favorite scenes. Let's jump to more positive things, okay? Okay. Tell me some happy scenes then. I love in this book that we get to see George and Fred Weasley in their joke shop. And it makes me, it's so happy just to get a glimpse of an adult wizarding life. Um, Because we're stuck at Hogwarts. We don't really get to see adult wizards unless we interact with the Weasleys. Mm -hmm. And here's Fred and George kicking butt. Like, I love it. And I so appreciate it. And then, okay. Probably my most favorite scene in this book is when Jenny is back in the common room and she's talking to Ron and Harry and she's talking about gossip and essentially she's talking about Harry's tattoo and Ron's tattoo. (laughs) And uh, there was a rumor that one of the girls had spread that, you know, Harry had a hippogriff tattoo across his chest and... Ron and Hermione are just laughing. Harry's like, okay, thanks. So what did you actually tell her? And Jenny's like, 
is a Hungarian horn tail, much more modern. Harry's <laughs> like, well, <laughs> thank you. And did you and did you tell her what Ron's got? And she's like, I did. I told her he, that he has a pygmy puff. I didn't say where it was. <laughs> Love it. See, and it seems like that that make me stand by my statement of Ginny shines in this book. She truly does. Like I, I love her, her wit and sarcasm. Quite delightful, you know? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not a Draco fangirl or a Snape fangirl, right? Like just not. Yes. That. One of the shining moments in this book for me is when Snape is essentially taking the fall for Draco. So Draco has Dumbledore cornered. Oh yeah. Hey, big, big spoilers. Woo, big spoiler on top of the tower. And he disarms Dumbledore and he's like getting, he, he just can't do it. He just can't bring himself to kill Dumbledore. And Snape steps in. And I feel like this is like that moment where he knows that Draco was not meant for this life. You know, like really not like his mom. Not, he's a little bit different. Not a lot, just like this much, like a little tiny hint. And he made that unbreakable vow with Draco, but is really one of the best acts of Snape when he stands in and kills Dumbledore in Draco's place and saves basically Draco from, you know, one, wrath of Lord Voldemort and two, killing somebody. Mm -hmm. Weird to say that's a favorite scene, but just that's one of the few scenes where Snape, I don't, am disgusted by him, you know? Yeah. And then I also, learning that Snape was a half-blood prince was such an interesting journey. Like, I was so much more interested in that subplot than the memories and the, and everything else, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, just the fact that Slughorn gave Harry this notebook, well, a po- advanced potions guide. He's like, here, this will help you do better in your classes. And it was a book with all these notes in it. And it shows, even though Snape's this awful person, his genius. He's a super intelligent, super creative person. And it makes you go, why are you such a terrible human being? You know? Okay. So the revelation that Snape is the half-blood prince. At first, I'm thinking, that's really cool. That makes sense. I like that plot twist. Mm -hmm. The more I have read these books the more it pisses me off. And here's why. Okay. Snape, as a student at Hogwarts, was so good at potions that he was writing in notes and correcting his textbook. Correcting his textbook. Right? Mm-hmm. So what does this little bee do after he graduates, after he becomes the potion master? Does he make a new textbook that is actually correct? No. Oh. Instead, he hoards all of his knowledge. Sure, he's teaching it theoretically to his students in in his classroom, Mm. but students like Neville get zero out of his classes because Neville's so freaking terrified of it. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm with you. So how many students are actually getting anything out of that class? Harry spends the majority of Snape's classes hoping Snape doesn't dock too many points from Gryffindor or wondering what Snape is going to find wrong with him this time. And even Hermione, who excels at potions with Snape's recipes, gets absolutely zero praise or zero good feedback because Snape just doesn't like her. And so it it just, 
it makes me so mad that he was this smart, that he was correcting his own textbook to be better for these potions. And he didn't just publish a new textbook himself. I mean, I didn't say he was great, but I mean, it is very interesting to see his genius. Yes. And it's interesting how so much pettiness and holding onto that grudge really twisted that genius. Because yeah. if he had been able to move on and not hold on to this grudge or whatever, how much you want to bet he actually would have eventually published that new textbook. That would have been awesome. Because he could have focused on something other than the dead crush he had. Just a thought. It is a good thought. I mean, he's not a great person. I was really... He's a horrible person. He's a horrible person. But his genius impressed me. Yes, his genius is impressive. It also makes me dislike him even more. So. Yep, Uh, I understand that. What other things did you like? (laughs) Not a Saint fangirl. Though I am an Alan Rickman fangirl, he's a freaking awesome actor and he portrayed Snape so well. I love Alan Rickman. He is such a good actor. Rest in peace. Um, I know. (sighs) The last thing was... Oh, so I really... Okay, so we're at the end of the book. We're in the hospital wing and Bill has been mauled by the werewolf. And we're gray back. Wow, thank you. You just like jumped right in there and I was like... The bad death theater werewolf, bam, here comes Abby. Breaking through the wall like the Kool-Aid man. Just knew you were going to need the name, sorry. (laughs) Anyway, so he's not laying on his deathbed, but he's pretty badly injured. And Mr. and Mrs. Weasley is there, and Flora's there. And Mrs. Weasley, he was about to get married. And she's just like, what the crap, woman? You think I'm not going to marry him? I am beautiful enough for both of us. And I was like, Mm-hmm. and I liked I mean like just the fact that um Flora was like excuse me I am gonna marry this man chill woman and then um Mrs. Weasley offers her her heirloom goblin made corset crown thing tiara. thank you tiara I was like something <laughs> that goes on your head or some I don't know some kind of shiny thing and then they both cry and you're just like oh well that was a sweet moment but that also led to Tonks turning to Lupin and going, hey, you're an idiot and I love you. And, you know, Harry has that like light bulb moment of, oh, that's why Tonks was acting so weird. And Lupin's like, no, I'm too old and I'm a werewolf and I'm too poor. She's like, just shut up. And you're just like, yes, you get him. And that scene. Mm-hmm. I love Tonks. Okay, so... I agree 100%. That scene where Floor straight up just tells Mrs. Weasley, I'm beautiful enough for both of us. Like, oh, you go, girl. Because <laughs> Mrs. Weasley is lamenting, he was such a handsome boy. He was about to get married. And Floor just like rises up like, <laughs> and immediately snaps back. And is like, yes, you tell her. Because Mrs. Weasley has been treating her so poorly throughout this entire book and you're just like i I love love mrs Mrs. weasley Weasley. but this was a poor judgment call on her part so i just i love that floor immediately clapped back and finally got some respect from her future mother-in-law 
But listen, I feel like this goes back to the prejudice we see a lot with in within the Harry Potter world that because Fleur is part Vila, and once again, Mrs. Weasley's like, mm, "You're not good enough for my little boy," and or like, he is so stop. Right. So I mean, I love her absolute undying loyalty to Bill, like because being mauled by the werewolf, they're worried that he might actually become a werewolf himself. Um, they don't know like what side effects that's going to have because he wasn't bitten. He was mauled. And so I just love her loyalty. She's like, I don't care what's going to like happen to him. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care what side effects there are. I'm going to marry him. Just like, yes, girl, that's the kind of loyalty you need in a marriage. <laughs> I approve. Yes. So much. Oh, so much I love respect. Floor. I love the slughorn pulling his I'm just an armchair routine. That cracks me up every time. <laughs> and I love that meme. Oh, what is it? Something about introverts avoiding conversations harder than slughorn dousing his house with dragon blood and pretending to be an armchair. <laughs> I don't know that meme, but I like it. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I haven't seen it in a while, but it makes me laugh because I think of that every time. Like, yes, if I had magical powers and I wanted to avoid a conversation with somebody, I would totally do exactly what he did. (laughs) One of my favorite scenes, Dumbledore dying. I know, I know. But the scene itself is amazing. The play between the characters is just phenomenal it is a phenomenal death scene and I'm so frustrated with Dumbledore at that point that I don't mind that he dies I'm rather happy he dies even though he really should have told Harry more stuff I'm really glad he's done (laughs) but I have ranted about Dumbledore plenty so I'm glad he died it was a really good death scene how many many episodes have you had every single one what Pretty sure you've had a Dumbledore rampant every single episode. Yes, but only one per episode. Oh, okay. Right. That's what we're counting. Just one per episode. You're good. <laughs> uh, I also adore getting to see the twins joke shop. Oh my gosh. I love that place. I love all the cool stuff you get to see. I love, I even love the way it looks in the movie. Like, I think the movie did it justice. Well imagined. It was very well imagined. It was was so cool. And honestly, I would have much preferred this book if they had just followed the twins and left everybody else out. Like, show me the twins inventing new stuff. Show me the twins being awesome businessmen. Show me the twins. (laughs) All Abby wants. Show me the twins. Show me the twins. It would have been a much better book. With all that, without all the stupid drama between the trio, like, ugh, ugh, <laughs> ugh. Anyway, <clears throat> I also love the little tidbit in one of the earlier chapters where Mrs. Weasley finally admits what a good thing the twins are doing with their shop and, like, actually acts proud of them for once in her life. Because, like, <sighs> I was so bad for the twins. I feel like they probably ended up as jokesters because... They have so many older brothers and at a certain point 
you have too many siblings and you have to carve your own spot by 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 doing jokes well and how else are they supposed to get attention with three perfect older brothers except by making trouble so I just I love that she finally saw how well they were doing and that they were actually good at something and I am genuinely impressed by Draco's plan like just wow great concept nice perseverance excellent execution nine out of ten pretty darn awesome wasn't it that was fantastic i loved that it took harry so long to figure out what the hell draco was doing because draco was covering his tracks so freaking well like Uh, also i'm sorry harry is not the sharpest tool in the box i know i know he's about as sharp as a broken crayon but i love how well draco was covering his tracks and just like how thought out everything was because looking back on it you're like that makes perfect sense that was a good plan which is not something you usually say of Voldemort but (laughs) it's just one of those like this was such a good subplot oh other things that would have made this book better if we'd been following Draco instead of Harry right uh I just wish we could have followed like as much as I appreciate Harry being the main character, I would have loved to, like, followed other people, you know? Yeah. <gasps> Guys, where's my fan fiction where somebody rewrote this book from Draco's point of view? That's what I, I want. Sure. That's the fan fiction I want to see. Girl, that's good. Just go Google. I'm sure it's there. Someone wrote it at some point. Oh, I hope so. I'm going to go look it up when we're done recording. <laughs> Get it, girl. Oh, that's the kind of fan fiction I want to see. All right. Um, let's move on to least favorite scenes. So the whole book really leaves me lacking. Like, I would really like to just say the whole book is my least favorite scene, but that's kind of like not good. In general, the, the most cringeworthy worthy scene of the whole book is Ron eating love potion laced chocolate. Like, Oh my god. Like that's a I mean I'm sorry, but that's like rapey vibes. You know what I mean? Like total cringe. Mhm. Like that's like lacing a chick's drink at the bar, only it's to a guy. So and therefore it's okay because a guy got drugged instead. No, it's not okay. Like I'm sorry, but that whole thing is just awful. Ramel Devane is terrifying and horrible. Yes. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. Oh yeah. And then Dumbledore just stringing Harry along. Like, that's why the book is so slow paced, too. Like, he's just like, like you said, he's just leaving little crumbs for Harry to come eat. And you're just like, all right, there's a plot. Are we going to get there? Oh, a plot point. Okay, we're back on the trail. Okay, here we go. (laughs) And you're just like, you're like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Oh, we're there? Oh, shoot, Dumbledore's dead? (laughs) I know, all the plot just kind of, like, hits you all of a sudden. (laughs) So, I mean, at least the best part of the book, there's some really funny scenes, but, oh, it's so slow, Abby. It just drags. So, those are my two least favorite scenes, because really the whole book is a least favorite scene, for the most part. You know, that. Okay. Harry and Drake go fighting in the bathroom. I think, okay, 
obviously I am not a Draco fan girl either, but I feel like if literally anyone but Harry had shown up in this scene with a smidge more empathy or intelligence, it wouldn't have gone nearly as badly. And this is one of those scenes that I'm just like, this would have been so much better from Draco's point of view because the attack that Harry uses on him would have killed him if Snape had not shown up. Hmm. Just straight up, it would have killed Draco. And I just, it is so hard for me to forgive Harry for using that, you know? Yeah, for sure. Because it was unwarranted. It was unnecessary. I just, ah, uh, I hate it so much. And again, boundaries and how we're 16 years old and we should really learn that we should not curse or hex people that were pissed at wizards and witches have no boundaries Uh like even adults i'm pissed at you here's a curse i know well and i feel like i feel like this was the bad version of harry's dad kind of showing through him if that makes sense oh yeah because i mean Sure, Harry got all these great qualities from both parents, but he also had to have gotten some bad qualities from them too because that's how genetics work. <laughs> so I'm just oh, I didn't. Thank you for telling me. <laughs> so oh. I'm just like, well, because it's constantly harped on how wonderful his parents were. And I'm just like, for me in this scene, it feels like it could have been James and Snape. You know? Mm. Oh, yeah. Like, 100%, this could have been something that happened with James and Snape. And I don't like seeing Harry like that. I don't like seeing Draco like that. So I just, I I hated everything about this scene. Well, then again, it could also be said that this was a, the word history repeating itself. You know, Harry never learned better. And, And history repeats itself when you don't have the lesson. Yeah. You know what's sad? I don't think Harry would have learned better even if his parents had still been alive. You don't think Lily would have tried to... I think Lily would have tried, but I feel like something like this would have eventually happened. Okay. I respect that. <sighs> All right. Things that annoyed me. Harry digging in his heels about dealing with Slughorn. Also, Dumbledore making Harry deal with Slughorn. <laughs> that entire subplot drove me nuts. Because <laughs> Dumbledore's just like, Oh, I'm not going to really tell you anything, but you have to get this memory from Slughorn. And Harry's just like, uh, I tried? Dumbledore's like, you should try again. But doesn't tell him anything else. Like, are you freaking kidding me? I'm frustrated by Harry. I'm frustrated by Dumbledore. That is, that is kind of the theme throughout this book. I feel like it is. I'm like, hmm. (laughs) I hate all the scenes where Ron is being a hormonal petty brat. I mean, it's... So, I guess I should say the book drags when you're trying to get from plot point to plot point. In between each plot point, we have hormones. Yay! Uh, see? Not really. And the first time I read this, I don't remember enjoying all this teenage drama the first time. So... No. We don't like teenage drama. That's I didn't not like our teenage MO. drama when I was a teenager. Why would I like it now? <laughs> uh, so, um, yeah. And then, as I've mentioned before, I hated the scenes where every female 
was ragging on floor and calling her phlegm. Just like, this girl deserves so much respect than she gets. I know. I love good female friendships. And I hate that like Ginny and Floor were not a good female friendship. Does that make sense? Like. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. Like they could have been really good friends, but there's so much ickiness. I hate that Bill brings this gorgeous girl home to meet his family. And instead of going, clearly our son, our brother, our this person we are related to sees something in this woman. We should try and figure out what it is so that we can see it too, mm-hmm. so that we can appreciate that she is going to marry Bill. But no, no. Instead, they're just like, oh, she's a snob. Oh, she's stuck up. Let's call her names behind her back. So also the maturity level of Witches and Wizard really astonishes me. And I'm very much let down by Hermione in this aspect, which is why she also does not get to be a favorite character. Yeah, it felt weird for me that Hermione was going along with Ginny about Floor. Well, but if we look at that, we can think about her mentality and that whole analogy where the man gets shot and there's 20 people witnessing, but they're all standing around. Like they don't think to do anything because they're all acting together as a parent, you know? Like they don't think, oh, I need to help the person or I mm-hmm. need to call 911 because someone else is going to do it. And it's just the same thing too, where there's that human nature where you just want to fit in. And so maybe Hermione was just being driven by her human nature. She's 16. It's just, unfortunately, I hate to say it's a very natural reaction that she is, she's been friends with Jenny longer. So she's going to side with Jenny. Mm-hmm. And if Jenny's going to start it, she's going to carry it with her instead of being that, hey girl, you're being kind of a bee. You need to stop. She just went with it. Yeah. I can understand that. It's just very disappointing. It was. I 100% agree. So, final thoughts. Well, I said this before, especially with the least favorite scenes. For all of the fulfillment that Harry Potter had given me to this point, this book is just lacking. It it drug along it had a very uh, the ending you're just like what the hell it was very much a the same kind of ending for me that prisoner of Azkaban was where i'm like did that just happen what's going on i'm very frustrated by this book i feel like looking back at the characters like jenny hermione neville luna and we don't even see neville luna that much we can see hint of them had the most character growth and we get to see a little bit more from Fred and George, a little bit more from Bill, a little bit more from Tonks and Lupin, but not a lot. But I feel like all the side characters had this tremendous amount of growth. And then it's just stifled by Harry and, and Ron and Hermione's bickering. Other things that would have been a good book instead of this one, following Tonks trying to get Lupin to actually admit that he likes her. I would like that book. <laughs> that would have been a good book too. <laughs> fantastic book and i think the title should be tonks and my many hair colors a memoir of getting the werewolf to love me that is a cute title i like that but yeah and then we talked about this earlier but i put i put on here this is one of my least favorite books really it's neutral it's like number four on my list there are some good moments it's the subplots that really drive why this is kind of ranked as number four for me i love the draco subplot snape's kind of redemption-ish not much but kind of like at least with Draco 
It's a little funny, a little bit more witty, good character side growth, but it just lacks luster and magicalness of the first three books. And the end of this book is terrible compared to books four and five. Like, mm-hmm. I know it's kind of cliffhanger. I know it's all meant to build up to book seven. Ugh. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, it's like a three and a half star book for me. Oh, Abby, tell me about your final thoughts. So, rankings wise, of the seven books, this is probably number six on my list, beat out only by. The seventh one. <laughs> My big issue with this one is that it's the least memorable of all the books. It feels like the least happens. And this is the one I have the hardest time remembering. Even after I listen to it, I'm like, oh yeah, that did happen, didn't it? Oh yeah, that did happen. Like, it's kind of sad, but that's the truth. I've already gone on my Dumbledore rant, so I won't go on another one. Dumbledore makes me angry. I've all I've also also already talked about Snape and his potion recipes and how angry that makes me. Hmm. And this book just does not encourage me to root for Hermione and Ron as a couple. It just it doesn't. It makes me anti them as a couple. I'm just uh, there's so much of this book that just isn't great for me. I'm not a fan. I'd give it maybe three stars. It's a book. We read it. Read it again. It's a book. Yep. All right, everyone. Well, that those are our thoughts about Harry Potter book six. We would love to know how you feel about these books. Please drop us a line on our social media and we will see you again next week. Talk to you next week, guys. Bye. If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use. Or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks like access to our mini series, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.